0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast.
1: You're listening to episode 377, and I'm your co-host,
0: Brittany Martin. And I'm your other co-host, Nick Schwaderer.
1: Nick guested as a co-host many times when the show was on 5x5, so it made perfect sense to make him a permanent co-host. Like Gemma, I will be regularly checking in on Nick for new updates in his world and for his thoughts of what's going on in the community. Nick, how are you doing?
0: I am doing fantastic. Thanks for asking, Brittany. This is my first time on in the new exciting format. I kind of like, by the way, as a bit of feedback, how we're still on the canonical podcast, but it's like a new kind of iteration. I think of like when comic books have kind of a new series within the canonical series, you know, this is like the next greatest thing. It is. So (laughs) It's (laughs) V2. But yeah, things have been going well. Actually, as of Sunday, I have been at Shopify for half a year. I can't believe to say it's been six months already and been settling in pretty well. I still feel like I'm in my onboarding phase. I think Toby wrote something a year or two ago. uh, Toby Lutka, the CEO, saying something like it takes a year to onboard. But I thought that was just like a thought leader kind of concept. But I certainly do still feel like I'm onboarding to the company in a good way.
1: So what have you been up to at Shopify now that you are, let's say, halfway onboarded? It sounds like you had a recent hack day.
0: That's right. Yeah. So like in my day job, we have internal tooling, which I get to work on, even though I'm not on Shopify core, we still get scale questions like, all right, we're adding an endpoint. Can it take a million requests in an hour? Yep. OK, moving on. Right. Like, so it's it's pretty exciting even in the day to day. But recently, yeah, I got to go on to a hack day. So I'd just come back from America. I'd been visiting family out there and I didn't intend to work this hack day. So I think they do it every three months or six months. This is my first one. And since I was going to be away for part of it, I never thought of kind of checking in. And I drop in on day two of a three-day hack day and start work. And I'm like, oh, goodness, what do I do now? And Kevin Newton who was a teammate of mine now works on a code foundations team messaged me and said, Hey, join my team. We're working on something cool. I'm like, all right, Kevin, let's do this. Little did I know that I was there on a team with Chris Seaton, who is the creator of Truffle Ruby has a PhD in Ruby and probably written the most professionally on Ruby of anyone on the planet. Noah Gibbs who wrote rebuilding rails, mastering software technique, and many, many other contributions over the many years. Tom Stewart, who is the author of Understanding Computation for O'Reilly, and some help from Maxime Cavalier Boswa, who's leading our YJIT team. A little support from Aaron Patterson, Tenderlove, and me, <laughs> like working on a Hack Days project. I'm really excited to talk about it briefly. I'm not going to act as an expert here, obviously, because I'm so far down the totem pole, it's not even funny. And maybe we could have Kevin on sometime because he championed this project. But it is an open source project bit of work so we can actually talk about it a bit more and it was to revisit rebuilding regular expressions in ruby so there's native regular expression handling and there are some interesting theories out there on alternative algorithms if you were to rewrite the regular expression engine in ruby which this does in a gem with a different algorithm which was first pitched in like 1967 called the Thompson NFA algorithm and there's white papers and everything. And there's certain instances where it would make regular expressions in Ruby millions of times faster, not even thousands or tens of thousands. So, yeah, you know, normally I would have done a lot more work on it, you know, because you have those couple of weeks before Hack Days where you start thinking about what you're going to do and reading around the subject. But I just dropped straight in, filed a couple PRs to do what I could. The beautiful thing about Shopify and these kind of people is it really doesn't matter how much of a subject matter expert you are in one area, we all kind of find our bit and everyone's really, really happy to share and teach and grow. And even the most senior person at the company is not afraid to say, I don't know. So yeah, that was what I was working on. I will give you the link after we talk so we can share it because anyone can look or contribute now.
1: That is so incredibly cool. I have so many thoughts about this. You mentioned comic books and my God, did you have the Ruby super team? First of all, like, <laughs> that is an incredible mix of people to be working on a hack day project. And we need more people like Kevin out there who sees people who want to contribute and says, hey, join my team. Everybody's welcome. This is part of the reason that I love the Ruby community so much. So now, Nick, I'm super curious if Shopify has these hack days every three months I almost wonder if there's a correlation now to the gems that come out of Shopify. Can I actually like link them up to this regular cadence of these hack days?
0: Oh my gosh, you might be right. So I can say that like our Shopify mantra is default to public internally, secret externally. But I kind of jive that with, I've listened to some other Shopify folk in the past. I remember in Sage Griffin used to work here before me and they would have said on core, we run, you know, like 40 runners for our test suite. So I'm like, okay, so certain things you could just talk about. So for the hack days, I think it does time up with some of the things we release into the public. I believe we had and some projects this year and, you know, people record a video and, and share about it. And like, there's no way you could sit down and read every project yourself. I tried to look at 40 and that was quite a bit. And I think if you look at some of the C-level, so like CEO, CTO, CMO, CFO messaging coming out right now, I think I saw some things that were hack days projects. Like I think there was talk about, I don't know anything about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, but there was some stuff coming through there. And that definitely was a hack day project. Short to your question. Yes, I think there is some link here.
1: Is there someone at Shopify who has the ability to say, yes, this project is good enough to be underneath the Shopify GitHub umbrella, or is that not how they approach it?
0: Ooh, that's a fantastic question. So, for example, the Hack Days project we worked on would still be under Kevin Newton's GitHub because it was something he'd been working on a little bit before the Hack Day. And then we all just pitched in with our time, even though it was Shopify's Hack Day and it was a non-Shopify logo. But the truth is I have actually never taken something from private to public. And I would probably have to ask internally to find out what the formal processes are because they definitely are without naming things or mentioning things that is known when things are made public and they are discussed in the community. The one thing I would challenge people with though, I think there's a lot that Shopify has that is public that is not we build it and maybe we solve a problem and then it doesn't really need to be developed. Much like maybe once a year, like it's just a working tool. And I don't know if it gets enough publicity. So if you go to Shopify today on the organization and GitHub and just click on repos and see what's publicly available, there are a lot of really cool gems. Dual boot comes to mind that are working solutions for Rubius. But since they aren't things that have to change all the time, we don't talk about them or the new releases or stuff like that. So I definitely encourage people to have a look at the cool things already out there.
1: Well, you're absolutely right. We're definitely going to have to invite Kevin onto the show because I want to dig more into that. But going into the gem that you worked on, I'm curious why, if this algorithm is so much faster and more performant, why do you think it's not the current default? Is it a more difficult implementation? Is it one of those situations where this is how we've always implemented regular
0: expressions? So that's a really good question, and I'm going to answer someone who's not the number one authority, like you said. Uh, Kevin's a wonderful person and will be really great to chat to in future. It's very simple. When you lay the bare framework for something, you can only think so many steps ahead. I think using Regex and, say, Unix system Mm -hmm. uses this, but Perl, so that the paper is a bit older, so it talks more about Perl. So Perl, Ruby, and maybe Python as well, when they were first building their Regex, didn't have this approach. And it is one of those things, there's a reason we're rewriting it and not doing a PR against Ruby core. It's something that you kind of have to do back end, ground up. There's byte code level abstractions here, really trying to, to get the performance, but have all the feature parity as uh, Ruby regular expressions. Interesting. That's really all I have. Like I'd love to go into, into greater depth, but I'm very conscious that on this platform, on the Ruby on Rails podcast, we go going more into what Kevin's territory here. But what I want is for my part in it, you know, it just is really enjoyable to be able to work with folks of that level. It's a real treat. And I'd encourage anyone to get themselves in situations where they're the most junior person in the room. So legally, in the eyes of LinkedIn, I have senior in my title these days. But that doesn't mean I can't be the most junior person in a room. So if you're able to find those Rubyists who are just or even engineers who are farther ahead of you, it's a real treat to just sit and learn all you can. And unless you're the best in the world, which no one is, you'll be able to find that situation.
1: I absolutely love that attitude. And it's part of the reason that I enjoy talking to you so much, Nick. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout APM is leading edge application performance monitoring designed to help Rails developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache or overhead of enterprise platform feature bloat. With a developer-centric UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to source code, you can quickly pinpoint and resolve performance issues, like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails let you rest easy knowing that Scout's on watch and resolving performance issues before your customers ever see them. Scout has also launched its new error monitoring feature add-on for Ruby applications. Now you can connect your error reporting and application monitoring data on one platform, See for yourself why developers worldwide call Scout their best friend and try their error monitoring and APM free for 14 days, no credit card required. And as an added bonus for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com rubyonrails ruby on rails. Thanks as always to Scout for their continued support. So you mentioned that you've been traveling a little bit. So you came over to the U.S. How did traveling go?
0: Yeah. In a non Ruby update. It was hard, right? So we missed some connect. So first, my wife is a foreign citizen. So initially they tried to refuse our entry until they reviewed our wedding certificate. Everything's a bit rough internationally because of coronavirus stuff. Once we got in the US is pretty slick, but then we just had the normal trouble of delayed flights and missed connections. So it took about 30 hours to get home. Then on the way back, our tests were denied because they weren't the right kind of test for Ireland. So it took about 70 hours to get home back here to this side of the pond. Sorry, I have two homes, right? The America home and, and the UK home. But overall, yeah, it's really great to be in the USA again, to remember what hot temperatures were like. Out here, it's like 75 is a roasting day. And then back home, it was like 98 every day and smoky. I'm like, oh yeah, that's what hot feels like. Now I remember. Yeah, that's warm.
1: I so. will very much take those 75 days off of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it get, We got back here and it was, so it had like the hottest temperature ever recorded in Northern Ireland. We got back and it was still only like 85. Yeah, it's still very mild here, even on its hottest of days. I guess for the programming side, I'd just say really good to take time and not be programming for actually a couple of weeks. And you really get a good perspective on your work and how you feel about it when you're fully out of it and have nothing to do for two weeks. So. Definitely. How
1: did it feel coming back to the code that you were currently working on? Did you do anything? Did you leave any notes, any commit messages? What did you do in order to almost reboot your brain?
0: Yes, I would love to share this for people because I find this is effective. Since we're a distributed team, we do a weekly learning hour where people can talk about whatever they want and we record it. For example, I did a session on building a Ruby gem for the first time, if you've never done that. And then we do a weekly demo where people demo what they've built during the week. And that's recorded as well. And we keep some mild notes for the team. But really, when you come back, that's your main job is watch the learning sessions, watch the demos, and then you're synced up. I think people more than ever are distributed teams. And you need to not rely on that async communication. So you can't be expecting someone to go read two weeks worth of Slack messages and consider them caught up because that could be really intimidating. So... Realistically, I did those things. And before I left, I did a handoff note. So I just kind of said, here's what I was mid-flow on. If anyone else wants to pick it up, that's fine. But otherwise, I'll pick it up when I'm back. It's still hard. It's like summer vacation when you're a kid coming back. But I think that was a positive experience for me.
1: I love that. Well, I recently returned from Denver. I have been talking about on the show for so long. I have almost hit a year at Text Us, and I finally got the opportunity to go out and meet my team, which is so weird. These are people that I'm very close to. I talk to them all the time, every day. And sometimes when you get into regular cadence with these Zoom calls, you almost feel like you're in the same room.
0: Holy cow. So what was that experience like seeing them for the first time? Like, I always wonder, like, do you be like, Oh, this person's a lot taller than I thought. Or, you know, what is it like being in the room as opposed to a zoom?
1: Yeah. First of all, my team is wildly tall. Everybody (laughs) was taller than I expected them to be. Even though I had the measurements ahead of time, it is so different when you meet them in person. I will say that I think I did it the correct way. We decided as a team that we were all going to get together last Wednesday and Thursday. So the entire company, we did a baseball game. And then the next day we got together in a hotel conference room. And we did a bunch of like leadership exercises and things like that. So I very much had the ability to just come on Wednesday and Thursday. But what I ended up doing is I flew in on Saturday night. And like you, Nick, I had all kinds of plane issues. We actually ran out of gas at one point because we were circling Denver and we actually had to land somewhere else and sit there for three hours while we got regassed up. Oh, no. Yeah, it was a bummer, but... Anywho, one of my developers picked me up from the airport Saturday night. And then the next day, I spent the entire day with our UX designer. I actually did something called the Manitou Incline. People are aware of this if they're in Denver, but essentially it is a railroad track that got wiped out by a mudslide back in 1990. But it is this really, really steep hike going up one side of the Rocky Mountain. And it was so fun. (laughs) Like It was very difficult, but it was really fun. And it was a great bonding moment. And so I ended up renting an Airbnb Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I ended up staying with our tier three support engineer. And we invited developers over those two days to come and work with us. I will say that I did it the right way because I slowly got to meet people. It wasn't this intimidating experience where it's like, here are 50 people that you talk to all the time. Now be friendly and outgoing. So I'm, oh, wow. I'm a little rusty, Nick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so when you're saying about like the leadership exercises, do you mean like I'm trying to visualize this icebreakery things or other types of exercises?
1: Yeah, that's such a good question. Yeah, we started it with a icebreaker. So we have some core values at Texas. We have six core values and we're always trying to remind each other what they are. And so we started off the day with trying to come up with an acronym and we had a really solid (laughs) acronym that was winning. At one point, we broke up into teams and then someone came up with the idea for Cat Tap, which sounds absolutely ridiculous. People loved it and now it's a thing. So (laughs) whenever someone does something positive in Slack now, we have an emoji to react to it. And in some ways it's very silly, but I kind of like... The vibe behind it. So, we did things like that. We talked about what it means to be a leader. We talked about our OKRs for the quarter. So, we as an engineering team have committed to some OKRs and we talked about which
0: ones were going to be the most impactful. Oh, that's really cool. I find the things I worry about in being remote sounds like you really tackled. So, the one is just kind of the being physically around people and talking, which is so different. Things like eye contact or moving your hands or just being congenial. And not staring at a screen. And the other is, you know, what types of work things work better in person? And I feel like, obviously, I haven't met my team either. So I haven't got there yet. But I feel like things like longer looking OKRs, just kind of sitting down for a long time and really thinking those things out are probably a lot better in person. Or how did you find that?
1: I totally agree with you. I really enjoyed meeting the engineers one by one, especially the ones that report to me. Just because we were able to go out for runs, we were able to go out for meals and just get that general closeness that you don't get from being over Zoom. I will say two of my favorite experiences from last week. First of all, one of my favorite people from customer support came over to the Airbnb and was working next to me. Mm. And it's amazing the stuff that you grab whenever you can hear somebody doing their work because I don't get that over Zoom right now. And she was talking about this really weird bug that causes them to do a lot of extra work. And I turned to her and I said, did I know about this? And she's like, well, we filed this bug like a year ago. And so I pulled open the bug and yes, it is quite old. And I assigned it to one of our new junior developers to investigate. So it felt good to get to hear their workflow because to me, if customer support is supported, then it just... So many positive ramifications for the engineering team.
0: That's so cool. I never think about that because people talk about meeting up and in person for distributed teams, but I don't know if they really talk about just working together. It sounds like you weren't doing a formal meeting at that point, right? You were just- Not at
1: all. I was just listening to her.
0: A hundred percent. So I I wonder if I were to write a note to self, that would be something I'd definitely consider taking away as like. Maybe even allow yourself a few hours of working in the same room time that's not dedicated to a meeting. I'm always first on the remote bandwagon, but I really think that there's a large drawback that everyone has to face with remote, which is little subtle things like that. The speed of learning when you're next to someone, the speed of communication when you're next to someone, when everything's in Slack or your chat app or email ooh, there's just things people wouldn't say in, in Slack that they would mutter under their breath.
1: This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by HoneyBadger. I have been a HoneyBadger user for the past seven years. When I start a new job, I no longer ask, do you use HoneyBadger? It is instead, where's my HoneyBadger login? What's HoneyBadger, you ask? Well, when application errors happen, it's nice to know that HoneyBadger has your back. Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and check-in monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. Honey Badger sends you real-time alerts with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly find it, fix it, and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issue or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Go to honeybadger.io and discover how Star, Josh, and Ben created a hundred percent bootstrap monitoring solution. Why is this important? Self-funding means that they only answer to you, the developer, rather than a venture capital overlord. Thanks to Honey Badger for supporting the show. When we were at the baseball game, I ended up talking to our two salespeople. And just for fun, Nick, I asked them, I was like, what's the one thing we could do that would help you so much? And they suggested this one small feature, again, something that's been our backlog for a really long time and we just didn't have anybody to work on it. And I assigned it again to one of my junior developers. They shipped it yesterday, completely surprised them. It was like a surprise and delight. It was almost like a love letter from the engineering team for them. And it was just really fun. You know, like I want to do more stuff like that because the big overarching features are important. But now that I have these three junior developers onboarded, My God, they are so potent already. They've only been around for four weeks and I can't imagine life without them now.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I wanted to ask about how the junior developers are getting on and obviously let me know if you've already covered this previously, but I'd love to hear about how you talk about the sourcing, the engineers, and what your thoughts are for kind of growing these folks who are junior into awesome middleweight and then eventually senior engineers.
1: So Texas has a regular cadence. Well, at least I would like to establish that we hire junior developers on a regular basis. A lot of our developers that we currently have now are ones that have been promoted from that. So we really do believe that if we're going to help, you know, the two initiatives, I feel, are junior developers growing into senior developers. We're not going to help anybody. We're not going to help the tech industry if we're not mentoring junior developers. And we're also not going to help the Ruby community if we're not hiring Ruby developers who've gone through a boot camp where they've been taught Ruby and then introducing them to a Ruby code base. I mean, this is how we're going to keep the community growing because otherwise, if we don't hire junior Ruby developers, then you know the boot camps are going to stop teaching Ruby, which is not great. So wanna make sure that we're continuing to keep that engine going. That being said, we hired three junior developers. Two of them are front end and one of them is back end. So one of my front end developers actually went through a full stack camp. So he is also versed in Ruby as well. And it has just been going incredibly well. I will say that I needed to come up with basically an agenda for them. Like how quickly should you be efficient within our code base? And to be honest with you, I wasn't sure how quick it would take them. Mm. And honestly, Nick, they were committing to production within a week. I am seriously so incredibly impressed.
0: That's amazing.
1: And I give a lot of credit to our intermediate and senior developers that are mentoring them, but also creating that culture where please ask questions and please ask those questions publicly.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really healthy thing to institute because it's easy for me now because I feel a bit more secure in my work than I would have years ago. But years ago, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Like if somebody mentioned a concept or a tool or just a programming term, if they said, like, yak shaving or bike shedding. And I didn't know what that means. Whereas now I'd be like, Hey, what's that? What is that by the way? But getting that early, then it just really accelerates their learning, doesn't
1: it? Totally. And now that, you know, to answer your question, what I ended up doing is there were some trusted boot camps that I reached out to, to help source these candidates. That being said, when we posted the positions, you can imagine I got a ton of resumes and cover letters. And, you know, if it were possible, I would love to hire all these folks. But we had to be incredibly picky around the skill sets that they had based on the code base that we have. So I really am very happy with the three that we've selected. But now that we've gotten these three junior developers onboarded and hired, now it's time to pivot to hiring three senior developers. And so you had mentioned pre-show, we should really take a moment and flash back to a conversation that we had last year back in April. Right when the pandemic was starting and we saw all these layoffs. It's amazing how much the hiring and recruiting of Ruby developers has changed.
0: I remember that talk we had is March or April, you know, when everything was really not nice and we really didn't have a feel for this new world. And layoffs definitely were happening. And we were just kind of trying to remind people, hey, you know, there's still people hiring remote, and we're gonna list some people. And we were sharing that. So Shopify went from Within three months of that, they went to digital by default, so remote by default. And then later in the year, and now went to digital by design, i.e. our offices will never open again. And we are now going to be hiring remote everywhere, which from a corporate perspective, it means that you have access to the entire talent pool of the planet. If you're willing to support a workflow that can handle different time zones and cultures and hiring that, and obviously (laughs) taxes with having employees all over the planet. Just a brief aside, not even in Ruby or programming, a lot of non-traditional roles that wouldn't have been remote are heading that way. So I definitely think if that's your thing, even as pandemic eases, it's not a question anymore. I think the default is very remote or at least remote supporting. The offices aren't as strong as they were a year or two ago. And there's nothing wrong with offices, by the way. I tried to work in one. I just happened to now work for Shopify, but if I could have my pick, I probably would have A few days a week in an office. But yeah, totally new world, I think. And hiring, I'd like to ask you on that. So were these Denver-based employees that you met, the juniors, or how did that go?
1: Yeah, it's actually really funny because the three junior developers that I ended up hiring all ended up being Denver-based just because one of the boot camps that we hire from is Denver-based. Now they're remote first. So I think that's going to change significantly. It's funny. There's out of the engineering team, only myself and our tier three support engineer are not based in Denver. But to be honest with you, when we hire these three senior rails engineers, I'd be very surprised if they end up being Denver based. And I'm
0: completely okay with that. Yeah, that is a weird thing. Like, I think, especially once you're senior, if you want to work remote now, you don't worry about requiring that and you don't worry about asking for it, right? It is just, well, this is where I live now, you know, like, it's going to be like you will watch these movies from the 80s or the 90s, you know, where the whole family moves because one of the parents or both the parents got a job in another city. So they have to sell the house and move to another city. That might be a bit of a, a curiosity for a lot of families going into the future, I think.
1: For me, I've told our developers, we have high empathy and we have high trust. So really, we trust that you're going to get your work done. All that I ask is that you have at least some crossover with the mountain time zone, just because that's where the majority of our developers are. You don't need to have full crossover, just some crossover and you have to have a good internet connection. If you have those two things, you honestly can be anywhere that you want. And one of my developers is actually going to be taking off to Europe. And is going to be spending a couple months traveling around and continuing to work. And I think that's great. I think that's amazing that you can afford that opportunity in this kind of world.
0: That's super cool. There's some in my time zone, some in Eastern. So we have three hours of really good crossover. And you know what? You don't need more than three hours of meetings in a day. Usually we find those three hours are are quite helpful. And and you know what? You get extra coverage anyway, if you have a 24-7 product then you just go from having 8 hours of engineers online to 12. I just wanted to talk about your juniors there. I just wanted to kind of underline something and kind of really put this a, another time for the listeners out there and folks who may be hiring. You know, I got to say I uh, really encourage people to hire juniors. I've been through that experience. It was really hard for me to get hired years ago. And you are right if the boot camp's business model is based on juniors getting hired and if People stop hiring, boot camps won't run Ruby. Now, I don't think that's the end of Ruby if boot camps stop because Shopify right now is hiring non Ruby engineers and teaching them Ruby. So we probably teach hundreds of people Ruby a year just at the company. Probably GitHub is a similar boat, right? Some of these companies, it's like, we just want a good engineer. You can figure the Ruby part out after we get you, but they'll surprise you, right? Like, so we have the Dev Intern program. So even interns, not, not just juniors, but interns, I can see make amazing contributions. Like I'll just wake up and I'm like, oh, this feature is ready to go. It's good. And that's an intern. There's a lot of value there. And I guess my little pitch is I said I wouldn't be doing any extracurricular open source work for my first six months because I really just wanted to focus 100% Shopify and I still will. But I'm now kind of poking my nose out to see what I'd like to do on my Nick time. And I think if I were to fire up past Ruby's again, which I did put pause on, that'd be something that might be cool is I'd love to maybe feature juniors in each episode or something, just any way we can give back and help with the next generation, I think is awesome. And I really appreciate you actually doing the real work here, which is hiring three juniors. That's wonderful. That's really good for the community. So thank you.
1: Oh, of course. And first of all, I love the term nick time. I will definitely be using that in future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and also Ruby Radar, which is a brand new Ruby newsletter coming from Andrew Mason and Colin Gillibert. They have offered to feature juniors in their issues and they haven't gotten any takers yet, which I think is crazy. So, you know, if you're a junior developer listening to this, definitely reach out to Ruby Radar to get yourself featured because The more exposure, definitely the better. We need to be hiring those juniors. Now, Nick, I kind of envision this big thermometer at Shopify, and that is, you know, how many developers they've managed to hire in this year. Because I think the goal was what, 2021 developers. Yes. Do you have any idea where they are at?
0: So I think we're actually well on our way. So without saying anything, because I don't, you know, investors and, and all that stuff, and if it's privileged information, I can... Safely say, we are well on our way. I feel like that that is a reachable goal. And not only that, like, so there's a lot of applications too. So like for every person that gets hired, it's not like one person applies, one person gets hired because we're hiring so much. There's way more applications than there are people getting hired. So I feel kind of uncomfortable talking about it. You know, it's like, there's a lot coming in. And for my boot camp friends out there. So I went to a boot camp called Viking Code School. It was uh, purchased later on by, I can't remember who, Thinkful. Recently, Shopify did place a former bootcamp graduate just like me from Viking Code School. So if you think you have to have a CS degree and that's the only way to get anywhere in this world, that's not necessarily the case. Because I'd say of a lot of my colleagues, <laughs> humble beginnings from a bootcamp. So...
1: Well, that is a perfect way to wrap up. Nick, it was so great to catch up. I'm so excited that you are now officially a co-host and excited to check in with you in future weeks.
0: Can't wait. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.